The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. It's Wheels Up Wednesday, which means Eric Peters will join me here about a half hour or so. We're going to be talking about transportation issues here and especially how uh, one trucker or a number of truckers are starting to start a movement, apparently. Not starting to start, but they are starting a uh, movement. They're just saying, you know, we're just not going to ship into New York State. And this has to do with former President Trump's $355 million fine for overinflating his assets, apparently. And the banks didn't complain. The people loaning the money didn't complain. They liked the business. Everybody made Everybody made money. Everybody was paid. Nobody lost money. And yet there is a, well, you know, and once again, it's that uh, one rule for thee and another rule for me. You know, that kind of thing. That's uh, that's it, the breakdown of law. We're actually going to talk uh, quite a bit about the breakdown of law in order today also. Kevin Starr is going to join me. And we've both noticed that it's uh, it's not just like hearing about this in Texas. We're starting to notice a lot of states that are rebelling and it, they're almost like soft secessionist movements. Even Utah the other day came out, has passed a bill that uh, is going to talk about when they're going to ignore the federal government. And then you have uh, Hawaii as an example when it comes to the Second Amendment. Well, we know what the Second Amendment says. Yeah, we know about the Bruin decision. But the courts there say, well, here we have the Aloha spirit. The Aloha spirit trumps the <laughs> trumps the supreme court and we're going to talk a bit about what happens when you see people that are just openly defying the supreme court and other courts and maybe this is a uh, a trend we're starting to see more and more states of course oregon is an example already defies the united states of america when it comes to immigration law we passed all sorts of uh, of uh I shouldn't say we, I should say they, their democracy, meaning the the Democrats that control this state, have been the ones that have mostly passed the sanctuary laws. It has brought a lot of, or at least arguably, I should say, in my opinion, has brought a lot of disorder to the state of Oregon, too. Can we survive these people? Better to find the good stuff, and do we have to follow the bad stuff, too? I mean, if you're going to be part of the United States of America, shouldn't you be, like, following the law? I had people calling me up the other day, yelling about uh, Nate Sickler. Uh, Nate Sickler's not uh, enforcing immigration law, or he needs to be stronger on this sort of stuff. Sure, you can probably say the same thing about uh, Dave Daniel. Why isn't Dave Daniel rounding up those illegals when they bust that, uh, that pot crow? Because he's prohibited by statute from doing so. That's disorder. In fact, I was looking it up. I was trying to figure out what was the actual root of this. And, you know, we actually became a sanctuary state back in 1987. So we're talking about eh, 27 years. 27 years of diversity goodness here in uh, southwest Oregon, in the entire state for that matter. Looking on the Department of Justice here the Department of Justice website in the state of Oregon, as a sanctuary state since 1987, Oregon stands for the safety, dignity, and human rights of all Oregonians. What are Oregon's sanctuary laws? Why report violations of these laws to the hotline? 
how your data is stored and protected. In other words, the Department of Justice seems to be really not about doling out justice as much as it is making sure that you don't ask too many questions when the criminals come and um, and bring fentanyl to your community. You're not, and, and I know that it's not all, but the vast majority of fentanyl that has come to the state and is killing thousands of people comes from China, funneled through labs in Mexico, and then, boom, across the border. Wonderful diversity. Wonderful cartel diversity. And you're not supposed to ask too many questions about it because, uh, you know, sheriffs can get in trouble if they Well, you know, he looks like a drug trafficker. What, is it the face tattoo? I mean, what? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff you can't, you can't do that. You know what you know, but you can't necessarily go after it. Not that they don't catch a lot of drug traffickers, but, boy, for all the drug traffickers that they're catching, there's a lot that are getting through. And there's a real cost to this. There's a real cost to this, uh, this enforced disorder, and that's exactly what it is. In fact, the most recent uh, sanctuary bill, let's see, was um, House Bill 3265. House Bill 3265, which was the sanctuary promise, which was almost like a, a, uh, a reinitialization of sanctuary state law, making it even harder. You can't have the uh, the ICE people, no federal people involved anywhere near the court or rooms that uh, illegal immigrants may be. You, you just can't, you can't talk to them. You can't even look at them. It's like Happy Fun Ball from the old Saturday Night Live. Don't look, don't look at uh, any federal immigration people because uh, the courtroom will explode, will explode in badness. Everything's about uh, bending over backwards and enforcing disorder. Disorder in the court, right? That kind of thing. And even this latest sanctuary state bill, I looked up the measure's history. Let's see. Let's take a look at the vote. Okay, third reading. All they really tell you about is who um, said no. They'll give you the, the names of the no's of the people who voted against the latest sanctuary state diapering and, uh, and powdering up here. Let's see. Who voted against it? Senator Anderson, Senator Boquist, Senator Finley, Gerard, Hansel, Hurd, Johnson, Kenimer, Canope, Linthicum, Art Robinson, Kim Thatcher, Thompson. This was in the 2021 session. A lot of these were the ones that also walked out. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. In the House, who ended up uh, voting against it? Bottom, Bozart Davis, Breeze Iverson. Drazen, yeah, Christine Drazen, Cedric Hayden, Leaf, Levy, Lewis, Moore, Green, Noble, Owens, Post, Reschke, Warner Reschke, yeah, Kim Wallen, Weber, Witt, etc. So you realize when I when I tell you who voted against it, you then know who voted for it, right? Bettina Kotex, Senator Jeff Golden, and State Representative Pam Marsh. They were both part of this. If you weren't on the nays, you were part of the eyes. I find it interesting that uh, on the Olas website, they don't uh, tell you who voted yes on it. They just they put out the names of the people who vote against on something. Because our disorderly Democrats, the ones who are bringing fentanyl into your neighborhoods, they don't want their names on it, I guess. They want you to be able to look up who voted against progress, I guess. <laughs> 
I find that really, really interesting. So by default, you're either, if you don't, uh, if you vote no, then you automatically voted aye. You know, that kind of thing. And there's a real cost to this. I talked to a friend because uh, another friend had let me know that um, the daughter of a friend, a person who has called this show now and then, actually a listener too, I don't know if he's listening this morning, but his adult daughter died of a fentanyl uh, overdose the other day, and I was just so saddened for him. I, uh, I called him up, called up uh, another of the, uh, the brother of the uh, daughter, too, or the sister, I should say, you know, the sister of the, uh, or the brother of the sister who died. Adult daughter, children with children, and yet another statistic here in southwest Oregon. Family is just devastated. They didn't even know. They didn't even know that she was, that she was uh, using, and maybe she was using a different type of drug, and then maybe fentanyl ended up getting put into it. You know, it was. You know, when you, when I wanted to kill myself back, and if I wanted to kill myself back in high school in my day, in my day, you know, the nineteen seventies, took a lot of beer or an awful lot of drugs. You know, a lot of beer, a lot of drugs, a lot of kids died. Drug driving, you know, back in those days. It's probably less of that going on now. Now you can just have a grain of sand of fentanyl that just happens to make it on maybe your methamphetamine pill that uh, you're hooked because you're liking to work more and get a little more energy or whatever the case might be. I'm just saying, for instance, there's a little bit of uh, maybe some fentanyl mixed with it, just enough. Boom. Out. I think about the uh, the Jeff Goldens and the Pam Marshes, and I, and I know that... It, some people would think it's unfair to tie a lot of this to it, but I, I don't think you can divorce the disorder and the carnage brought to our communities, whether it's George Soros in Measure 110 and the Democrats having pushed that, the state employee unions that, uh, that pushed Measure 113 to get rid of people who would vote against the sanctuary uh, state rules, and that would uh, go against the grooming of the kids. Got to keep the perverts in the school. Hey, got to do that. Got to keep the. In fact, you have to coddle the perverts everywhere you go here. I know that's gotten State Representative Dwayne Yunker, you know, actually being uh, someone who speaks uh, strongly, you know, on such matters, saying, you know, I, I just don't think that uh, we should be grooming kids to cut off their genitals and things like that. He's the problem, according to the Daily Courier, you know. He's the problem, not the perversion and inversion of reality and the enforcing and the grooming of disorder in society. That's not the problem. That's progress, apparently. And, you know, back to the family whose uh, daughter ended up dying of fentanyl a few days ago. And they're going to be burying her shortly, from what I understand. And they're devastated. Yet another family that... um, progress of the progressives if you want to call it that are victims of that it's it's like pam marsh under the guise of we have to be nice to everybody and not be judgmental well we can't um, we can't charge people with crimes for doing something like this and we certainly can't charge uh, cartel people where we can't just grab cartel people because that would hurt 
our communities, you know, these kind of things. But they never seem to really care about the communities that already exist right now. They're always always worried about everyone who's not supposed to be here. And it's not just the illegal immigrant population doing this. So please, please understand, but that's most of it because it is coming from China via Mexico. And thousands of people, if not hundreds of Southern Oregonians, are dying from it. But we're concerned about offending a few people or offending or making it uncomfortable for criminals to live within our community. And I'm going to think about uh, my friend and their family, and maybe, maybe they'll come on and talk about it, the death of, their, of his daughter you know, someday. Not today. He's not going to call in today and talk about it, but I'm, I'm hoping he will at some point and talk about it. And for the people who are not politically active, for the people, I'm not speaking of you. I have a feeling that you are politically active. Or certainly, at the minimum, you're voting. For the people these days, Republicans, let's say, for an example, who still are not voting. You know, the vote comes and, uh, I don't know, it doesn't make any difference. Every Republican vote or every independent vote that's not, you know, to, to the left of Che Guevara, you know, that kind of thing. Every one of those votes that doesn't get that counted in there ends up uh, allowing the the same type of people that vote uncritically for Pam Marsh's and Senator Jeff Goldens. I'm just picking on those two because they're, you know, the two Democrats from Southern Oregon that are quite powerful within the system. That don't seem to be all that upset about the death and disorder if stopping the death and disorder would mean uh, offending some of their sock puppet interest groups for the Democratic Party, whether it's the the unions, whether it's the teacher, well, especially the teachers union. Yeah. All sorts of things, all sorts of interests. Every person who does not vote in these upcoming elections, whether it's in May to stop the uh, charter changes in both of these counties, to anything that may be coming up about Measure 110, uh, presidential elections, state representative elections, and state senator elections this year. Every one of the people you know who are not at the minimum voting and getting educated about this and evangelizing it are, in essence, tacitly accepting the death and disorder that Democratic, mostly democratically passed party uh, uh, situations are promoting. Now, I'm not saying that if Republicans were in charge, that it would be nirvana in the state of Oregon. But we certainly wouldn't be hemorrhaging over a, uh, a, a, a sheriff, a county sheriff in Jackson or Josephine County that would say, yep, we busted the uh, grow or the drug lab or whatever it is, but we had to leave, uh, we had to let fi- uh, 50, 50 illegal immigrants grow, uh, go, rather, because we can't even talk about illegal immigrants because, well, we can't see them. It's like Voldemort, Voldemort in the system because of the Pam Marshes and the Jeff Goldens of the world that other people voted for. Elections have consequences. Personnel is policy. And there you go. This is the Bill Myers Show, and you're on KMED, KCMD. It's 28 after 6.
Two Dogs Fabricating is a truck and trailer equipment company. Service bodies, flatbeds, dump trailers, racks, and more. They transform your truck and trailer into the ultimate work rig. Two Dogs Fabricating can custom design and build a bed and trailer that's specifically designed to carry your equipment. Plus, we have North Star flatbeds, Pacific Truck Service bodies, job box and buyer's toolboxes, lift gates, Delco dump trailers, everything you need to do the job better and easier. To get outfitted, go see Two Dogs Fabricating on Brian Way off Sage Road. Visit twodogsfab.com. Sweetwater Sanitation are your experts in the sanitation business. With over 20 years of providing septic services in Southern Oregon, Sweetwater Sanitation gets the job done the right way. Sweetwater Sanitation can inspect, service, repair, and pump your septic tank so you can focus on enjoying time with friends and family and not a septic disaster. Give them a call at 541-821-1426 or check them out online at swsmodoc.com. Sweetwater Sanitation, their service is the difference. Hi, this is Mark from Jay Austin, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. So many people don't want to get involved in the political process. They don't want to think about it. They just want to you know, watch their football games. I'm not saying that you are. I know in talk radio, you're probably a little more active or at least uh, plugged into it and aware of some of the things. You really need to help bring some of the people who are not as involved or not as knowledgeable about it into the fold. You just They just need to because... The death and destruction and the mayhem that mostly in this state, because we are a Democratic-controlled majority state here, the policy that we have are Democratic policies. The death on the streets, the homelessness on the streets, big part of that, the fentanyl, the illegal aliens and cartel overrunning that uh, seems to be an intractable problem. A lot of that's sanctuary city. That's all from the Democratic Party. You have to start connecting the dots, and you have to help people to understand that the one voice you do have there is that vote. I don't get involved too much in the presidential politics, because I, I don't know. You know, it's like uh, frick or frack, and yeah, I hope President Trump ends up uh, winning that. Anything's better than, uh, than Joe Biden, except for maybe Nikki Haley. I'm not a fan of Nikki Haley. That's just the way it is. But, um, you know, this idea that you can just sort of stay away from dirty politics, and then um, the problems will just solve themselves. I don't think that's going to work either. Let me go to uh, Dave's here, too. Hello, Super Dave. How are you doing? Welcome. Hey, I'm doing great. We're just uh, enjoying the sunrise at the base of Bird Blender Hill in Iona, Idaho. Oh, welcome. Okay, so you're one of the escapees, so to speak. Okay. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> you know, talking about this and what we to. Uh, change hearts and minds from where we're going or where we've gone in Oregon. Um, my pal Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. In 1965, he did a, a short piece called If I Were the Devil. And I highly encourage everybody to just Google that and take a listen and tell me if it, that prophecy has not come true. All right. I'll do that. I haven't I haven't read that for a long time. I, I seem to recall it in the back of my brain, but I'll look it up. I appreciate the call, Super Dave. Thanks for checking in. Let me go to Steve in Sunny Valley. Hello, Steve. How you doing? Good morning, Bill. Um, yeah, this this fentanyl death is, is really heartbreaking. And And there's a lot of them. In fact, I was told now I can't confirm this that five people just in the Gold Hill area alone died recently over the weekend. That's what I'm told. There was well, a big outbreak of that. I think I think we can learn a lot from history. And, and how to handle things differently than what we have done in the past. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had prohibition on alcohol, and when that happened, 
people still wanted alcohol, so they made their own, and a lot of it was wood alcohol. And the number of people who went blind from drinking wood alcohol went way up. Yeah. So the people aren't looking to die. They're, they're getting something to take them away from their painful reality, but what they'd rather have is, you know, just something to get them high. And heroin would do that, but fentanyl's cheaper. If we oh, had, oh, if fentanyl's cheaper right now? It is? Of course, because it takes a gram of fentanyl to do the same thing that, you know, 10 grams of heroin does. and it's So much easier to smuggle. Smaller, smaller. right? Yeah. Right. Like I said, you know, you know, back when I was a kid, probably when you were a kid, too, you know, it took a lot more <laughs> to kill yourself. Yeah. So... So the solution is, is, I mean, we can't even keep drugs out of our federal prisons. How are we going to keep it from people who, you know, on the street? Hmm. It, it, the, the, the... I think one of the challenges we're facing on this one, though, Steve, is that uh, the way the drug works is that, you know, fentanyl attaches to those receptors in your brain. And then the brain also, from what I recall, uh, creates even more receptors to that drug, which makes you know, getting off it once you take it, once you start, uh, you know, getting into it, getting off of it, so difficult. It's like well, a, it's a, a self-reinforcing, it's, a self-reinforcing loop. Receptors that mm-hmm. the heroin is going for. Yeah. So what they want is the high. They don't care whether it's heroin or fentanyl. They just want the high. Now, if we had a pharmaceutical company that could make it like alcohol, and so we knew what was in it, hmm. and they wouldn't die from it. I mean, people have been altering their their realities with pharmaceuticals for thousands of years. You just can't stop it. Hmm. But we can make it so we don't have a police state to control it, and it doesn't kill the people who do it. Hmm. All right. Once uh, they're addicted, uh, all right. they're just trying to feel normal. All right. They're so not- you're addicted, trying to feel normal, et cetera. Okay, yeah, I know there's a natural human thing people like to numb and escape. And nobody wants to talk about why people want to numb and escape. Here's another aspect, though. People always talk about the police state, and I appreciate that, not saying that I uh, ad- admire a police state. But are you telling me that if every drug dealer that was ever arrested here wasn't hanged in the public square, that no one would ever stop? Do they keep doing it? China had the five-cent solution, and it worked. It was brutal. That was the cost of a bullet. If you were caught with heroin in your system, you were shot in the back of the head in the street. No, no, no. You know, it's it's like... When you have uh, ca- when you have China essentially attacking us uh, via Mexico, that's what and, they're. D- and that would that would end if our local drug manufacturers provided a safe alternative. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to think about that. Appreciate the call there, Stephen Sunny Valley. Let me go to Tom. Tom's here. Hello, Tom. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Yeah, uh, I think of Pam Marsh and Jeff Golden as uh, all heart and no brains. And really, uh, a good representative is a combination of both. But with them, uh, it's it's all feel good, and uh, I'd really like to see them go. I'm calling um, mostly about um, mind control that's going on, and certainly drugs is part of it. But there's um, two things. Uh, Caitlin Johnson has a, a really nice article in Lou Rockwell today. It's called uh, You Only Need to Cage a Bird if It Doesn't Know How to Fly, basically. Oh, yeah. And uh, she, yeah. Says that, she says that propaganda is the linchpin of, the, of, of this whole control thing. And you think about what's propaganda? It's lies. And we see the Democrat Party here with the uh, takeover of, of the two charters of the two counties here. It's all based on lies. And 
to get past some of these lies, you have to be able to to, to be able to see it. And one more uh, place to go to. There's an incredible article in Technocracy.News on an interview between um, Tucker Carlson and uh, Mike Benz. Yeah, Mike Benz. Yeah, Mike Benz. Uh, I watched that. I've watched most of that Tucker Carlson. And essentially, the propaganda machine and the censorship machine is the military and intelligence complex. The whole thing. Everything about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's been... Um, and. People have no idea how deeply the government has injected itself into the control of information. But Mike Benson really gets in there and really uh, exposes it. Of course, all of this is paid for by our tax dollars. Yeah, I'll just leave it at this. In fact, uh, it's uh, well worth the hour and 10 minutes it would take. In fact, I think that the uh, the Tucker Carlson interview with Mike Benz is way more important than the talk with Putin or Putin, rather, I, that everybody I could. Uh, yes, I agree with that. That's what exactly what I thought. Too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the important Trump's one. But everyone's talking about uh, Tucker evil talking with Putin, Putin monster, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, the more the more important one is Tucker Carlson with Mike Pence. And I will agree with you on that. We both agree on that. Thank you so much for the call. All right. It's uh, 637. I'm running a little bit late. Eric Peters will join me here in a couple of minutes. We'll dig into Wheels Up Wednesday. Choosing a company to drill your well is a major decision. You have a lot to consider. Experience, reputation, equipment, price, and most importantly, the finished project. Clouser Drilling stands behind their work and guarantees materials and workmanship. Quality and integrity has helped Clouser Drilling grow to be one of the largest drilling companies in the state. They provide the best overall value and make sure the job is done right. Competent and capable. That's Clouser Drilling. Call today for a free written estimate, 476-7795. Visit clouserdrilling.com. Taxes and more taxes. What you need is a licensed enrolled agent that knows the tax laws and makes sure you get the best possible tax return. Call Pat Hurley, a licensed tax professional, at 774-1040. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. Good morning, I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. The CDC released a report this month that found Oregon's drug overdose deaths are rising faster than any other state in the nation. According to the report, Oregon's predicted overdose deaths increased by 41.5% between September of 2022 and September of 2023. And the same report also shows that opioids like fentanyl account for a lot of these overdose deaths. The CDC's data suggests that fentanyl-related overdose deaths increased by more than 1,500 percent from 2019 to 2023. And with the legislative session still in progress, many local officials are interested to see what changes might be made to Measure 110 and the state's continued response to the drug issue. And three firefighters from Ashland Fire and Rescue were presented with fire life-saving awards during the Ashland City Council meeting last night. Retired Captain Todd Beck and firefighters Ty Haggard and Matt Brown were all given medals in recognition of a victim's life they saved in April of last year. The victim had gotten trapped in their home during a fire when they realized their cats were still inside. Beck, Haggard, and Brown were able to safely remove the victim from the house in under 10 minutes from the time of the call. The city says their actions directly saved the life of the victim while entering an immediately dangerous atmosphere at their own risk. 
And that's a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. An intelligent solution saves you money. This is Randall at Advanced Air. It takes an expert to navigate the current HVAC rebates. Call Advanced Air to save big on equipment replacement. Advanced Air is currently offering an additional rebate on qualifying systems, up to $1,000 on Bryant mini split and crossover heat pumps. Some exclusions apply. Advanced Air and Bryant do whatever it takes to deliver intelligent heating and cooling solutions. Visit myadvancedair.com for details. Your intelligent heating and cooling solution. Visit myadvancedair.com. Southern Oregon Shooting Sports and Three Rivers Ammo, your local ammo manufacturer, would like to invite you to their gun show this Saturday and Sunday at the Jackson County Expo. The Southern Oregon Gun Show has it all for the hunter, collector, and outdoorsman. This is your chance to talk with gun experts, so while you're at the show at the Seven Feathers Event Center, stop by the Pageant Pavilion, then check out the huge Southern Oregon Shooting Sports and Three Rivers Ammo Gun Show on Saturday 9 to 5 and Sunday 10 to 3. Are you adventure ready? Oregon Truck and Auto Authority is your source for overlanding, off-road, and outdoor lifestyle products. Featuring quality options for rooftop tents, racks, bumpers, winches, and recovery gear. LED lighting, dual battery systems, onboard compressors, cargo cases, coolers, and refrigerators. They also offer camp stoves, scuttles, fire pits, tables, and chairs, so you're prepared once you've reached your destination. Stop by Oregon Truck and Auto Authority. Your Department of Adventure. 106.3 KMED. 99.3 KCMD. And this is the Bill Meyer Show. 6.42 and he is Eric Peters, automotive journalist and genius. Great guy over at EPAutos.com. Eric, welcome back to Wheels Up Wednesday. Always great to have you here. And... Well, I guess uh, the wheels up are not necessarily happening for some truckers. Kind of a growing movement based on what happened to Orange Man Bad the other day. $355 million in fines for, let's see, engaging in business in which no victims, everybody was happy, everyone got paid. But uh, but apparently, I guess uh, you find three quarters of, or a quarter of, or a third of a billion dollars, I guess, for uh, bragging. Breaking about the value of your properties. I love it. It's great America. Yeah, I, well, I, I was thinking about your intro for me at the beginning of the show just now, and in addition to being a car journalist, I'll probably also soon be an inmate, as will all of us who affront the authority of the uh, the blob, as 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 Kunstler likes to call it, and I think that's pretty apt. Yeah, I think, yeah, James, uh, Kunstler. Kunstler's yep. amazing when he called yep. it the blob. I love the blob. That, that pretty much describes everything. Uh, Nikki Haley certainly part of the blob a lot of the republicans part of the blob and then you have orange man who far from perfect but you know there you go uh under well, it you know, this 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 article that i wrote at midnight last night i was just so teed off about the whole thing it transcends orange man he's right when he says yeah. uh that it's you know it's not him that they're after it's us and he just happens to be in the way he's become uh, almost uh, an archetype for us if you will because essentially it's it's game on as far as the the authoritarian left goes, for anybody that disagrees with the authoritarian left, this this business with the Erdogan verdict uh, was kind of a Sicilian message, and I use that term specifically because, as far as I can tell, none of the organized crime families that did business in New York City were ever subjected to anything like what the Orange Man has been subjected to. For what? I can't believe it, and frankly, I can't even believe that it's still going. It speaks a lot to. His uh, staying power, you know, when it comes right down to it. But essentially, what Ergawan uh, said, you know, you know, it's a nice real estate empire you have. It's a shame. Yes. It's a, 
You know, it's a shame if something goes wrong with it. Oh, my goodness, you bragged about it. It's going to have to go away. And now you have Letitia James, the amazing diversity hire over in uh, in New York now, saying she's going to seize his property. Well, and that's the other other facet of this that people listening may not be aware of. It's bad enough that he's been hit with this massive judgment. But in order for him to even go through the process of appealing it, I think he has to post something on the order of a $400 million bond. And Kathy Hochul, by the way, came out there. And, and you know you're dealing with a fraud, by the way, Eric. And I'm, I'm just going to say a lot of by the ways here. Is that uh, when Kathy Hochul comes out and says, you know, you, you other businesses, you don't have to worry about this happening to you. What this means then is that essentially the law in many parts of the United States are all based on who you know and what you are rather than what you've actually done and what the law actually exactly. says. That's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. And now it comes down to whether you have affronted the feelings of somebody who can leverage the legal system against you. That's what happened in the other case that was brought against Orange Man. Uh, you know, he, he stood accused of having supposedly sexually assaulted a woman 30-something years ago. Uh, this was never proved. No facts were ever put forward. Absolutely no uh, evidence other than the fact that none. she says... You know, she said, right. Yeah. And so he said, he said, you know, she's a whack job. Now, you may think that's rude. You may think it's obnoxious. But I personally think it's worse to be accused of having committed sexual assault in public by somebody who has no proof that you did that. But the point is, you know, he ended up getting convicted of defaming her. Her feelings were hurt and hit with another multimillion dollar uh, judgment. And then similarly, now, this really hits closer to home for you and I and anybody else who happens to be in the commentary business. Uh, there is the verdict against the um, the, the reporter, the, the writer for, I think, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. His name is Mark Stein, mm -hmm. and he was criticizing a climate scientist by the name of Michael Mann. And he, he basically said that, that, that he's jiggered the statistics about climate uh, in kind of a way that's analogous to what Jerry Sandusky did when he jiggered kids. And for that, Stein was hit with a massive multi-million dollar defamation award now was he now he was nailed under canadian law from what i recall right because he's a canadian I think citizen so, yeah but the point stands i mean we see a pattern here they're going after people based on uh being heterodox based on their disagreeing with orthodoxy publicly and that is what is uh well i are uh, orange man is certainly guilty of here but yes. i still wanted to focus though on some of the rebellion to what has happened to orange man and yeah. that is a trucker's verdict. And I don't know how big this is getting, but it could be the start of a trend. Well, I think so. And I think the reason uh, for Trump's popularity, frankly, has to do with the same phenomenon. It's not that he himself or MAGA or anything like that is necessarily so popular. I think that it, it is that people are becoming outraged by the way this man is being deliberately targeted politically mm -hmm. by the left. And, uh, and, and, and they understand that they can be targeted in exactly the same manner and probably are much more apt to be targeted given they're not him and they don't have the resources that he has. They can't afford to hire a whole team of high-end lawyers to deal with this, this sort of stuff. And so, understandably, out of a, a sound instinct for self-preservation, they're aligning themselves with the orange man. And what did this trucker do, this one trucker that's uh, starting this movement? What well, did he say? My understanding is uh, what he did, he, he posted something on X slash Twitter essentially expressing his outrage with uh, the verdict, the Ergeron verdict, and saying, you know what, I'm going to respond to this by not driving my rig into New York City. I'm not going to be delivering uh, goods to New York City. And he encouraged other truckers to do exactly the same. You know, let, let, them, let them find out what it's like when people who actually work for a living decide to stop 
working for them. In other words, a bit of Atlas Shrugged, right? Exactly right. Hmm. You know, what's interesting is that uh, I think this could be, if this were to pick up steam, this would be more effective than I think what the Canadian truckers did, because what the Canadian truckers were doing is that they would drive their trucks and their rigs, and then they'd stop. They would just yeah. you know sit there and block things up and gum up the works. And hey, it made for uh, for great stuff. But when you have truckers that are saying, I'm not going to deliver to New York City, that just means that they're going somewhere else and that Correct. May- maybe their truck is sitting in the driveway in Mississippi or you know <laughs> North Carolina well, or whatever the case might be. Well, being as passive. They're yeah. just saying, look, I'm, just, I'm not going to go. I'm going to call in sick today. I'm not going to work today. Yeah. What happens when Whole Foods doesn't get restocked in New York City if enough truckers were to follow this, uh, this lead? I think there's something very important uh, to divine here, and it is simply that uh, they need us more than we need them. And what I mean by that is that the intelligentsia, the apparat, these people, uh, people who occupy positions of authority in the political system, the regulatory system, these people are not producers, they're takers. They, they, They contribute nothing. They take everything. And if we stop giving them things and stop allowing them to be parasitical on us, they lose their power. And right, I think this is a, a start of a beautiful thing. We'll just see. And what I like about it, though, is that it is passive. It's not like, hey, it, it's not that uh, I'm going to stop people from taking from taking goods into New York City. I'm just not going to participate. I will not do this. That's right. You mm-hmm. know what the thought occurs to me too. You remember the old saying that they had in, in Soviet Russia about how uh, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. Yep, that's I do. where we're headed. Yeah, could be. Uh, we pretend to deliver. Okay, go ahead and enjoy this. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I was reading about uh, Kevin O'Leary, you know, what's his name? Mr. Wonderful mm-hmm. from Shark Tank. And he yep. was talking about how New York does not understand just exactly what it has done to itself with the Orange yep. Man bad verdict from last week. Because no, it's, it's really tragic. New York City, you know, they used to call it the Big Apple. It used to be sort of the epicenter of uh, American entrepreneurial spirit. It was said that, you know, if you were a young, uh, young man or woman and you wanted to make it, you went to New York City. Because if you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. It That's like right. The place. Mm-hmm. Now it's the opposite of the place, isn't it? Yeah. Well, O'Leary and many other money brains are saying, get your money, get your investment out of New York City or even New York State, because what they have indicated, though, is that there is too much political risk. Because if if they could go after Trump for nothing, they can certainly go after you, even if there's a little something on you that, that has happened, right? And, you know, and it goes all the way down the food chain to the street level. You may recall the incident that happened a couple of weeks ago where a couple of New York City cops were uh, gang-assaulted by some refugees, i.e. illegal aliens who'd been imported into the city. Uh, and as I understand it, they, they caught the, the, the people who did this and essentially let them go. Mm-hmm. You know, these people attacked cops, beat them up, physically accosted them. But Trump, who hurt nobody, you know, is basically facing financial ruin. Yeah, and uh, it's, a, it's an amazing world here. It is starting to come undone to a certain extent. I'm going to be talking with another guest a little bit later on, uh, Kevin Starr from Oregon Firearms uh, Federation, because what we're noticing, though, is that not only are you having uh, these uh, these politicized courts in actions, but you're also having states and locales that are starting to ignore court orders everywhere, yeah. too. We're, we're seeing signs of either, you can call it breakdown on, uh, on one hand, or soft secession movements in others, like Hawaii. Sure. Like Hawaii, as an example, with the... Uh, 
you know, the, well, we know what the Second Amendment says, and yeah, Contrary there's... Contrary to the Aloha spirit. The Aloha spirit, <laughs> right, right. The, yeah. the Aloha spirit trumps that. And I said, okay, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, w- when you run out of fuel and food at some point, uh, you can eat your Aloha spirit, okay? You better start yeah. growing, you better start growing more papayas locally. Just saying. But, uh, but you know, you're, you're spot on in your observation that what's happening is that the trust, uh, the general trust, you know, I'm not talking about blind trust, but the general trust and faith that most people had in the system, that it was reasonably not corrupt, mm-hmm. that it was generally functional. And that you would have a fair shake if, they, yeah. if, if there was a problem, somebody accused you of something, you get a fair shake, you know, in the court system, in a, in a court of law, and that most people were generally going to be okay, and even if you didn't agree on everything politically, you would you would uh, you know affirm contracts and and your contracts yeah. meant something you would sign something it meant something if you didn't sign something it meant something et cetera et cetera and that yep. has been corroding very quickly it's amazing how quickly that goes south oh sure the, I think the legitimacy of the entire system is now gone and in a way that's healthy though because we might get back to you know the word is your bond where you deal with people that you know mm-hmm. and you trust them. Because yeah. And uh, that eventually does scale. But in the meanwhile, we're going to have to deal with this unraveling of what was once a high-trust society. Yeah, in other words, prep for chaos, I guess, is uh, really yep. what, we're, uh, yep. what we're discussing. It's 6.53. I'm talking with Eric Peters, automotive journalist at epautos.com. The uh, story we were discussing was one trucker's verdict, and it's really interesting, of course. Uh, always happy to take your call, 770-5633. I'll go to line two. You're on with Eric. Good morning. Hi, who's this? Uh, good morning. This is Keith. Hey, Keith. What got a question or comment for uh, Eric? Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly comment on what you guys are talking because I am a trucker. Uh huh. It this this idea of shutting down to make a statement has implications for small companies because you still have to make payments on the trucks that you do do not own and the equipment you do not own. Mm And that has always been a roadblock, I would think. I'm just a driver. I'm not the owner. Right. But the notion of one man going out on a limb is possibly what it takes to make the other people Mm -hmm. who are in a position to do the same thing to do it. And it's... It wasn't the reason that I wanted to call, but you guys are going. I'm 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 sitting in the story that you're talking about, and we, my boss and I, and other people in my business, we talked about the regulation, the government overreach, the onerous requirements, the stupidity of gas, you know, diesel exhaust fluid. The, the stupidity of California Air Resource Board. And the only way you can get them to wake up and look at you is if you take the risk of going out of business yourself. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a fact, but where do we, where do we start? Who's the brave heart in this story? I'll well, the caller's right. So you know, and ultimately, what this comes down to is the same thing that it comes down to in a battle. Somebody's got to be the first guy to, out, you know, to get out of the trench and run toward the enemy. And that person may be the one who takes the bullet. All right. I appreciate have to stand up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Hey, uh, Keith, what was the other thing you wanted to say quickly while you're on? Okay, go ahead. In 2017, I bought a 1991 Stepside Chevy worn out at 260. 
5,000 miles is now 300, about 8,000 miles, brand new motor, $18,000 of today's money into it, numerous replacement parts, throwing away Chinese parts, and the truck runs like a champ. The cost of that truck in 91 was $18,000, which represents 41 in today's dollars. And the, I guess I'm north of 16, 17,000 that I put into it. And the six years of annoying problems, uh, quite frankly, it's well worth it. Yeah, well, what you, essentially what you're saying is that your $18,000 into a 30-year-old truck has you a really great truck now, doesn't it? Exactly. All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks for that. Uh, Eric Peters with me this morning, 657. Let me grab line three. Hi, KMED, KCMD. You're with Eric. Who's this? Hey, good morning, Bill. Michael Shaw. Hi, Michael. I've got got two things for my call this morning. One is to go back to the Trump trial. I don't ever remember there being a trial to convict him of anything. So was this just a regulatory thing that they said, oh, you're guilty, so now we're going to fine you? Now, Eric, I I think you're right about Mm -hmm. that. We're both right about this, that we were saying that a judge just declared him guilty. The judge said he did it. Yeah, well, essentially the nut of it is that the government uh, Mm -hmm. system decided that Trump had overvalued his holdings, his assets, when he had – uh, applied for a loan. I think a loan with Deutsche Bank, I think it was. And Deutsche Bank said, we don't care. I mean, we gave him a, an amount of money that we thought that he was capable of repaying, which he did, and everything was fine, and we made money on the deal. So there was no victim, but the government still says somehow he committed a fraud by over overvaluing his holdings. Yeah, so that's what the judge said, the government, in other words, said that. And what's the other part right, about okay. it, Michael? So Go I, ahead. I was, I was correct in assuming that there was not a trial to find guilt. There was an assigned guilt. Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. Okay. Uh, number two is, Eric, uh, just curious about the growth in conversations about driverless semis, electric semis and such, being put on the road. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, put on millions of miles over my 65 years across several different continents. And I just can't understand how any technology is going to be able to compensate or be aware of those extreme conditions that can happen. I grew up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. How is a camera on a truck going to be able to see and understand black ice, for that, example? That's a really great question, Eric. It, it, I'm, I know you've delved, delved into this yep. with various of your EP Auto's uh, articles. Yeah, well, the question, the answer is it's not. You know, I can tell you just from the standpoint of passenger vehicles, you know, I get to drive these things all the time. And if there's inclement weather, if it snows, for example, and ice and snow builds up on the cameras that are outside of the per- on the perimeter of the vehicle that are key to a lot of these systems, you'll get a light in the dashboard that says the thing doesn't work. So if there's no driver behind the wheel, the vehicle doesn't work. You know, you can, as a driver, override it when the system doesn't work. Now, you know, these, these big corporations that would like nothing better than to get rid of all the human truck drivers because then they don't have to pay these guys. And also they could potentially keep these trucks going constantly. They wouldn't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, uh, driving time requirements and so on. But the technology is nowhere near able at this point to replace drivers. So I suppose that's a good thing. But God knows what's going to happen within five or ten years from now. All right. Appreciate the call there, uh, Michael. And uh, we'll grab one more call for Eric. Hi. You're with Eric Peters. Who's this? Uh, Washington, Larry. Hey, Larry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. All the news we hear about battery uh, or EV cars, 
and what Eric has said and just the, the fraud of the whole thing. Um, why is Honda coming out now with this prologue all-electric car that doesn't make sense? Well, actually, it makes a lot of sense in a number of ways. In the first place, Honda kind of has to for the same reason that all the other manufacturers have to. Uh, they are under pressure to produce zero-emissions vehicles. They're also under pressure to have their fleet average economy, fuel economy numbers, rise to a certain level. And a great way to do that is to have a so-called zero-emissions electric vehicle that gets 80 or 90 mpge in your lineup. It improves the math. Now, Honda's being pretty smart here. Rather than wasting the money on designing its own EV that they know they're going to lose a ton of money on, all they're doing is buying a Chevy Blazer EV and rebadging it and putting it out on the lot uh, as a compliance car. That's a term in the industry meant, meaning that, you know, here's a vehicle. We're just making it in order for us to be able to comply with the various idiot federal regulations oh, out there. Oh, that's what that is. I didn't realize yeah. that's what the, uh, the the Honda was. Did you know that, Washington, yep. Larry? I didn't know it. That was, that's no, I didn't. And uh, I'm just concerned about uh, that and the electric fires that, or excuse me, battery fires they in Europe and the storage of uh, where they're going to put these things. But I'm concerned yeah. about that too. All right. Yeah, and the main thing I'd be concerned about where I Honda is that this is a GM product. You know, people buy Hondas because they want a Honda. They 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 trust the brand. They trust the engineering. They trust the care that went into the vehicle. In this case, you're talking about a vehicle that was designed and engineered by GM. So if it catches fire, if other things go wrong with it, uh, people are going to blame Honda for that. All right. Appreciate the call. Larry, always good hearing from you. Eric, before we take off, uh, always enjoy your mm-hmm. your reviews. And uh, the latest one we have up there is uh, the Chrysler Pacifica. You were talking about that yeah. last week, and we, we kind of yep. went through that. Is there anything new in the driveway that we could be looking forward to? Soon. Yeah, actually, and I had, didn't get it quite finished today, and that's why it's not up on the site yet, but uh, the Cadillac Escalade, which is, hmm. believe it or not, the last of the big SUVs that still comes standard with a big V8. And still does, and is this the last year for it? Is it one of those kind of swan song things like you've talked about not with many of the Chryslers? Yet. You know, GM hasn't dumped it yet, though, <laughs> alarmingly. Later this summer and fall, they're going to be coming out with a battery-powered version of it. I think it's called the Escalade IQ. They always come up with these unbelievably <laughs> cloying names that are contrary to what the thing actually is. But I don't. There, there's no indication yet that they're going to cancel it, and I think that's because it's a hot seller, just like the Tahoe uh, and the GMC Yukon that are very closely related to it. These are the ones that actually make GM money as opposed to their battery-powered devices. And yet, at the same time, uh, you have Stellantis that has to kill all the uh, the hot the hot, very popular yep. cars, because they just can't survive the uh, the regulatory requirements, right? There's just no way they can make That's it right. Work. Hmm. And, and the reason that the you know the Escalade survives is because, gosh, you, the, the the markup that they make on that thing. Keep in mind, it basically is a Chevy Tahoe, right? And you can pick up a Chevy Tahoe for about fifty. Well, uh, if you want an Escalade, it starts about thirty k higher than that. And yeah, it's a nicer vehicle, but it's not that nice. I mean, yeah. you're making a lot of money on that vehicle. Yeah, it's not thirty thousand more nice, but it's still yeah. pretty pretty cool stuff. Looking forward to that. We'll kick it around next Wednesday. And thank you so much. EPAutos.com, the website. Lots of great reading and commentary. Great people on the uh, on the uh, the commentary at uh, there too. Lots of stuff there at EPAutos.com. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thanks so much, Eric. Be well. You okay. bet, Bill. Thank you for having me. It's three after seven. It's my pleasure. Wheels up Wednesday with Eric Peters.